Hi, I'm your host, Morgan Lane. Welcome to Rewind the Play, a podcast that takes a closer look at the biggest upsets, plays, and players, and changes everything you thought you knew about some of the most iconic moments in sports. Welcome to Rewind the Play. Today we're going to be talking about Tiger Woods and how he got started in golf, his rise to fame, his fall from grace, and then how he came back in the 2019 Masters. Today we're joined by guest Skylar Haggy. So Skylar, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm a Clemson University uh, marketing major. I'm a junior and uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. So Skylar, do you like golf? Are you a golfer? Um, I'm not going to pretend I'm a golf fanatic, but I've definitely started to get more into it. Um, I'm not good by any means, um, but I've started to definitely learn the game um, and just love to watch it as well. So what's your best shot? Maybe I could probably shoot 110 on an 18-hole. That's so, nice. That's impressive. That, that is not impressive, but thank you. That's, that's, that's better than I can do. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So are you a fan of Tiger Woods? I'm a big fan of Tiger Woods. Um, I think he's just one of those icons for a sport that generates so much um, attention and and love, which is really interesting. Like, I think when you look at golf viewership as a whole, whenever Tiger Woods is on a course, whether he's, you know, washed and old or he's in his prime, views are going to go up. And I think that's super fascinating. So I'm a big fan of his. We're just going to talk a little bit about Tiger's background and how he got started in golf. So Tiger started playing golf from a very, very young age. He was actually a child prodigy. Um, and his father, Earl Woods, was very, very intense guy. Um, I think he was a veteran. And so he started introducing Tiger to golf when he was only two years old. Um, so whenever he was three, he appeared on this TV show and by the time he was five, he appeared in Golf's Digest and even on like a te- another television show. So in 1984, at the age of only eight, he won um, the youngest age group available at the Junior World Golf Championships. So he was he was already very impressive just as a child. Um, and he had really, um, his father had really helped train him up. Um, and he did a little bit of collegiate golf, a little bit of high school golf, but he had entered um, Woods turned professional at the age of 20 and immediately started signing all these deals with Nike and Titleist. Um, and Woods was actually named the Sports Illustrated 1996 Sportsman of the Year and the PGA Tour Rookie of the Year. So why do you think Woods was so successful so early on in his career compared to other golfers? I think there's a few different things that, you know, can be attributed to his success. I think, as you mentioned, being raised in, you know, maybe not necessarily a strict household, but one that had high expectations for him. And I think golf was honestly the number one priority. Um, I think I remember an article where his dad was focused on golf and his mom wanted grades. Um, So I think that would have been an interesting thing to see play out. But also, I think when you look at other sports, such as maybe like the NBA, right, where you have these athletes that, you know, really don't come into fruition until they're 20 because of something like a Grossberg, right, where they don't even consider basketball as an avenue in life. Um, But then, you know, something like physical attributes 
um, help them get to that spot. Whereas something like golf, you really don't need much physical. Like if you, it, it really comes down to form. And I think form is something that can be taught and trained. And I think his dad clearly had a knack for doing that, considering he's one of the best golfers in history. So do you, in your opinion, do you think he is the best golfer in history or do you think he's one of the best golfers in history? I would say one of, I think that it's hard to judge athletes, um, the comparison of time, if you will, right. Whenever it comes to baseball, right. You know, pitchers throwing a hundred miles per hour now, whereas 80 miles per hour 50 years ago was just as absurd. Right. So I think thing, uh, I think people like Arnold Palmer, right. Like such a golf legend, um, you know, they, I don't know if you know how golf clubs have changed, but just the face of a driver has gotten so much bigger, right. Where they used to have to hit these on these small little golf faces. So I think it's hard to compare, but I think he's definitely one of the greats. Yeah, definitely. So do you know what a grand slam is in golf? A grand slam. I feel like I've heard of it. I know that Tiger Woods um, did it. And I know that it's rare for most golfers to get one in their career. <clears throat> but I think it's winning a bunch of the major championships, right? Mm-hmm. So Tiger began his Grand Slam in 2000. And it actually was nicknamed the Tiger Slam because he did it kind of unconventionally. So Grand Slam is one of the biggest achievements in golf, and it's basically impossible. Um, so there are two types of Grand Slams. Um, so there's a career Grand Slam that you mentioned, and then the actual Grand Slam. So the most common is the career Grand Slam, and that occurs when the player wins all of the four major golf tournaments over the course of their career. However, their grand slam occurs when a player wins all of the four major golf tournaments within one calendar year. And it's such a rare phenomenon that only one player in the history of the tournaments has won it. Woods came incredibly close in 2000 to achieving an actual grand slam. He really struggled in the 2000s Masters. According to his own standard, he only finished fifth. But he went on to win the PGA Championship, U.S. Open, U.S. Open and the Open Championship by the end of 2000. So in the 2001 Masters, he kind of returned with this new fervor and he won his second Masters. So at only 24 years old, he had won all of the four majors within 365 days and achieved a career grand slam and was one of the youngest golfers to do so. Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely speaks to how good an athlete can be in their prime, right? I mean, <clears throat> when you look at other sports and you see these different athletes and they'll win a championship and it'll be a few different years, I mean, to play that many major tournaments against the best players in the world and just win and win and win some more just shows that you are on a different level than your opponents, right? It's not just a it's, it's not just a you had a better week than them, right? It's it's you're in a better spot in your career than anybody else in the world, which I think is just incredible and speaks to like Tiger in his prime before injury, before, you know, all of the media and the fame that, you know, was warranted or not warranted, depending on who you ask. I mean, just at the core, he was the best golfer in the world at a point in time. And I think that's undisputed given the record you just gave. Yeah, definitely. So off of this um, 
major career accomplishment. He continued to rise um, in the early 2000s. Um, he was basically dominating all of the major championships, all of the championships. Um, however, in 2006, his father passed away. Um, he took some time off of the tour, and he um, actually, whenever he came back, he was pretty rusty, and he actually missed the cut um, for the U.S. Open. And something that I thought was interesting was he was actually pretty criticized in the media at that time um, for missing the cut, even though his father had just died, which I thought was interesting because I don't feel like that would have happened today. But it was so criticized during that time in the 2000s. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think that just further speaks to how good of a golfer he was, right? That I think not even just media, but any person that watched or knew golf fully expected Tiger to come back and at the minimum make the cut, right? It's unheard of that since this guy has been in his career, I mean, for him to miss a cut that early on in a major tournament. Um, and so whether that, you know, whether he gets criticized just as much now versus back then, um, Nobody knows, but I think it just speaks to how dominant he was that everybody expected him to come back from such a tragic moment in his life and just play the same because he was that good. Do you think that Tiger was held to unrealistic expectations compared to other golfers? For sure. I think, I mean, not even just golfers, but athletes, right? Like these people are human um, and things happen, right? Like, injuries happen, life events happen, people have to take time off from the games that they love. Um, and I think the expectation for him to come back and continue to dominate, you know, without any sort of fault was definitely unrealistic and unfair. Um, but as everybody knows, he clearly came back and showed the world wrong. So Tiger was able to really come back after this loss. He was able to really recover um, and just continued to dominate in 2007 and 2008. In April 2008, he started to have um, these injuries that would emerge. Um, he underwent knee surgery and started to miss some months on tour. And he basically came back in the 2008 Open and had this dramatic victory. But interestingly, and this kind of goes back to what you said earlier, whenever he wasn't playing, the television ratings dropped so dramatically for the rest of the season. Like people weren't even tuning in to watch golf because Tiger wasn't playing. So in 2009, Tiger returned to golf and he started to perform very well. But I think we both know that some major events happened in 2009 with his personal life. So do you remember any of the scandal that happened in 2009 in your own life? I know we were both very young during that time, but do you have any recollection of those events? Um, I remember it being some sort of, uh, for lack of a better term, sex scandal, um, where I think he like crashed his car and then his wife was really upset with him. Um, but I don't know the specifics if you could, you know, give me a rundown. So in 2009, the National Enquirer breaks this alleged affair with this New York City nightclub manager. So it, you know, it's starting to take off in the media. He's getting a decent bit of coverage. He's on 
you know, people are talking about him on tabloids and on, you know, different channels and everything. But then it really blows up in his face just a couple of days later when he, when he crashes his Cadillac Escalade into a fire hydrant and tree after jumping a curb in a grass median in the middle of the night. So as a result, he is ticketed for careless driving, but even though he really only caused property damage, the media really painted this as he was totally out of control. Tiger had to release all of these statements because women were coming basically out of the woodwork, alleging that they had affairs, and he kept having to apologize over and over and over again. For weeks, this was really, really heavily covered in the media, um, basically to the point where you couldn't not see this covered on a news outlet. Um, you could not see this on a magazine. It was so heavily covered. Um, and as a result of this really, really dramatic public opinion turn for Tiger Woods, um, with everyone really hating him suddenly, Tiger lost all of these long-term sponsorship deals. Um, It was estimated that the total loss from Woods's, Woods' affairs appeared to be between 5 to $12 billion. So obviously, high-profile celebrities and athletes have cheated on their spouses before, but why do you think Tiger's affair was so heavily covered? I mean, I think for a few different reasons. I think, obviously, you spoke to the time period this happened, right? 2009 to 2010, we're still trying to come through as a country um, and honestly the world in general, like trying to come through a severe financial crisis where, you know, jobs were lost at a rate of millions um, that the country was in a, making enough money. And I think people were just generally in a bad place. Um, and so to see a headline of, you know, maybe someone that, when you had a lot more free time or someone who you enjoyed, you know, just years prior that their life is falling apart too. Um, you know, it was someone that I think a lot of people looked up to. Um, and I think praised in a way. And so whenever he fell, I think a lot of people tuned in to, man, this guy's even more of a mess than I am. Right. Like he, it was one of those situations like a train wreck, like where you don't want to look, but you can't look away. Um, and I think this was a, a perfect example of that, of this guy who people put on a higher pedestal falling way beneath everybody else. Yeah, I think it I think it's really interesting, too, because I feel like he was such a big athlete. Like, I think he was arguably one of the biggest athletes of the 2000s, if not the biggest athlete. So I think one of the reasons why he was so heavily criticized was because, you know, some of these other athletes had kind of, they were imperfect, but I think in a lot of minds of Americans and his fans, like kind of what you were saying, like he was perfect. He was on this ridiculously high pedestal. So people, I don't think were anticipating that he could fall. And so whenever he did, I think it really was very jarring for a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
And I definitely think it speaks to just how, I mean, again, how good he was that I think people were just, you know, he, he was on track coming out of his prime, I would argue, to be considered the best golfer, golfer, excuse me, bar none, right? Like, put aside the debate against time. Um, I think if he had continued at the rate people thought he would have, he would have been the greatest of all time, no question. And so I think that also contributed to, you know, people trying to tune in to see who is this guy who was once so great fall to such low heights. And I think in a lot of ways, like, Tiger was one of the first modern celebrities to really get canceled. Like, I think we, you know, I think cancel culture is very comfortable, like, to us now, and we're very familiar with that. But I think, I think there was this level of, like, you could fail as an athlete, as a person, as a celebrity, and people wouldn't, um, you know, there really weren't as severe consequences. But he he lost a lot of brand deals, and the public turned on him virtually overnight. So why do you think Tiger specifically was canceled when this obviously had happened before in the past where people and athletes had made mistakes? Do you think Tiger was um, like targeted or do you think it was unfair? It's a hard question. I think to someone who's a fan of Tiger, I would argue it's unfair that any human should have to undergo such scrutiny, right? Because people do make mistakes and obviously his was one of the most severe, right? And it it was clear that he had no remorse because he did it over and over, right? Dozens of women came out. Um, But yeah, and I, I think... A lot of times when people think of scenarios like this, they think of maybe movie stars, right? Or big musicians where these sorts of things come out. And not that athletes haven't had um, cheating allegations in the past, but I don't think a lot of times it's such a big name athlete. Um, I think a lot of times it's not golfers. And I also don't think it's someone that's so good at the sport, if that makes sense. So one, I think... I don't really hear a lot of golfers go through this. Normally, it's not a lot of really good athletes, right? Um, And also, to your point, like a lot of times it's just kind of swept under the rug, right? Maybe one news story comes out about it or something like that. But, I mean, Tiger's name was drugged through the mud for months. Yeah, and I think it it didn't help that he, um, you know, obviously he was totally getting assassinated in the media, um, but he really struggled competitively. He was really, really thrown off his game, you know, his actual golf game. He um, really struggled in the 2010 season and it went into 2011. And then he started to have all of these injuries. Um, You know, he started to have leg injuries. um, And then throughout 2012, 2013, um, and even into 2014 and 15, he started having um, very severe back injuries that would he would be forced to pull out from tournaments. Um, and eventually, I believe he had a total of five back surgeries, which is so insane. Yeah, and definitely to go along with that, like speaking on his performances after the whole scandal broke, right? I think one, this proves that like golf really is one of those mental games, right? Like if you have a bunch of serious events going on in your life, 
um, outside of the sport, like you're not going to perform to your best. And it was clear that like the second the story broke and the media was dragging his name, his performance showed there was a direct correlation. I think that's interesting. And also when it comes to his injuries, I think a lot of things people that don't watch golf often forget is that, you know, professional golfers don't get to use golf carts. They have to walk these insanely long golf courses without being able to ride. And so with someone with already messed up knees, right, a messed up back because golf is, you know, it is physical despite what people may say. Um, I think the, the whole not being able to ride in a golf cart, having to walk such long distances is often forgotten for the casual fan. Thank you for joining us on Rewind the Play. If you like this episode, please consider leaving a like or sharing this podcast with your friends. Until next time.